The NBA Finals are heating up. Looking for hot takes on all the postseason action? The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, is the podcast to listen to for the ultimate finals coverage. Host and former NBA sharpshooter J.J. Redick not only has a plugged-in perspective on the action from his time in the league, but he's also announcing the games in real time for ESPN. J.J. has the ultimate insider point of view, and he's taking you along for the ride as he breaks down the best defensive schemes, dunks, and drives from each game. And speaking of incredible drives, there's no better place to tune into your new favorite podcast, The Old Man and the Three, than in a standard-setting BMW. Luxury meets power to create a wholly new driving experience. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine. Today's episode of the All Angels Podcast is brought to you by SportsDrink, your digital water cooler. SportsDrink is a newly created internet community that tries to find the intersection of sports and not sports. They're here to help us grow and hate your favorite team. A rising tide floats all boats, so go check them out online and on social. Go to sportsdrink.org or open Instagram and type in at S-P-R-T-S-D-R-N-K. Spelled like SportsDrink without the vowels. Oh, got it, got it, got it! 33! Center field, Marsh leaps, and he got it! Is it normally? High fly ball, deep left field, oh, 27! Does it again! For this year. Wall sends it well out to left center field! This is Brandon Marsh, the Los Angeles Angels baseball. You listen to All Angels Podcasts. And welcome to another edition of the All Angels Podcast. I am your host, Dan Garcia, and I'm here back at All Angels Podcast. So, obviously, last time you heard from me on this podcast, I talked about um, me going over to Locked On Angels. I did it. I did a, a week's worth of episodes there um, and kind of found out that it's not for me. It wasn't for me. They have a great system there. They have obviously great followers, great fans, um, a big following, which, you know, if I were to get any part of that following over here, you know, I, I'd appreciate it. But. You know, it just didn't fit for me. It didn't feel right. Going into it, I was kind of hoping to feel some kind of um, boost of energy, boost of, um, yeah, let's get this thing done. And honestly, you know, it, it didn't, I didn't feel that way. You know, it felt like something was missing. It felt like something was just a little bit off, you know, and it just didn't fit. And it, it happens, you, you know, nothing against Locked On Angels, nothing against that, that company Locked On um, or anything like that. It just... It didn't feel right. You know, it didn't feel right. And then after that, after I told them, you know, it, it just didn't feel right. They were very cool and open about it. Um, and it took me a while to kind of figure out too, if I wanted to do this, um, because like I mentioned before, Johnny was a big part of this. And do I want to keep on doing it? And if I have the same passion as I did before and, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, 
with with the lockout ending and that great news and now we know for sure we're going to have a full season that that passion did kind of come back a little bit you know maybe that's what it was maybe the lockout affected me more than i thought it was um but i'm back here at all angels podcast i'm going to be here at all angels podcast um thank you for reaching out and asking like what's going on um with this and with locked on and stuff like that but this is definitely the place i feel more comfortable this is definitely a place where i feel I have control over. And I think that's a big thing too, was like, I want to be able to talk about what I want to talk about. If I want to flip on the microphone and just talk to you guys about, you know, something random, then cool. I can do that. No one's telling me not to. And not to say that lockdown was telling me not to do that, but they were kind of being like, Hey, at the end of every show, do this. And I was like, honestly, I was like, why are we doing that? It's like the lockout's going on. As soon as the lockout's over, this whole conversation that, that you want me to have is going to be, non you know it's not going to be relevant so i just didn't see what, what was the point of investing my time and investing my efforts to be like oh let's research this topic and go through this and do that and it's like well you know in two weeks or three weeks it's it doesn't matter it's like rate the angels um starting rotation with the other teams in the divisions like well we know once the lockout's over the age are going to gut their system so it doesn't really matter anymore so it is cool to kind of have that nice to have that creative control. And that's, I think something that I really like. And this definitely gives me that because I'm the one running the ship. I am literally the only one that it has to answer to myself. So there's that. So now that I got that out of the way, this episode, I talk with Rhett Bollinger from MLB.com. He is the beat writer. He has been on, I don't know how many times now, but he's always great to have on. He is in Tempe, he is on the ground. Again, if you don't follow him, follow him at Rhett Bollinger on Twitter. Um, these guys are, and we talk about in the interview, he's getting more and more access to the players one-on-one. And he, in this interview, talks about why that's important. Why him, Jeff Fletcher, Sam Blum, them getting one-on-one um, access to players, why that's important. We talk about that in the interview. So, um, again, Follow him, Red Bollinger, at Red Bollinger on Twitter. You can find all of his stuff on his Twitter page or, too, if you just go to the app, go to the Angels page or, you know, angels.com. It's all there. So definitely check it out. So hope you enjoyed. Here's my interview with Red Bollinger. The next guest on the All Angels podcast is a returning guest. First time this baseball season in 2022, Red Bollinger of MLB.com. How are you doing? Doing good. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, so like I mentioned, you know, there was a certain point, I'm sure, in the year where both of us didn't think this was going to happen as far as, you know, the middle of March and there's a game tomorrow. The first spring training game is tomorrow on Friday. And I'm sure there was a point in you thought where yeah, it's probably not going to happen in March. Yeah, definitely. It was a little touch and go there. You know, I wasn't, you know, I was already here in Arizona covering minor league camp and just kind of hoping to come to an agreement. And, uh, you know, it was hard to know exactly what would happen because things were kind of flying in all sorts of different directions and we're really sure if they're going to, you know, be able to do this. And sure enough, obviously, obviously they're able to do it. And it's great. They're able to have a full 162 games you know, only missing that first week of the season and kind of rescheduling those. Um, so yeah, I was thrilled. It's great. You know, it's fun now that spring trainings and, you know, full fling. And so like I said, first cactus league game on Friday. And uh, so it's definitely exciting that baseball back for sure. You know, one of the things that I'm real interested in the upcoming season is some of the rule changes. I guess some of them are changed back to the original way. So I guess it's not really a real big change. But the main ones obviously being the 
nine inning double headers, which you'll have every team will have at least I think three or four double headers because of the schedule conflict, and then also the 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 ghost runner or whatever an extra innings. You had the whole year of those two rule changes, and now that's going back. Do you like it? Do you not like it? How do you feel about those rule changes kind of going back to the original way? Yeah, I mean, there's not that many doubleheaders anyway with the Angels generally, so it's fine to have nine-inning ones and have real games. It made more sense during the pandemic because there were so many, so those doubleheaders. And obviously, it seemed like the Cardinals seemed like they had almost a doubleheader every day. So that was <laughs> that was fine to have seven-inning doubleheaders, but because they're so rare, I think it's fine to go back to nine innings. Um, as for the Ghost Runner second, it sounds like they might actually come back, though. They're still kind of negotiating on what they're going to do there. Nothing's really set in stone for that, but as of now, uh, it's gone, which is fine with me. I mean, I, I, I prefer real baseball where – you know, it's weird to have a team come up and hit a, you know, a two-run leadoff home run, which is kind of weird. <laughs> and I saw it a few times last year with different teams. So, yeah, I mean, I, I'd rather have it real. But as a reporter, you know, it's nice to have the, you know, shorter, uh, you know, faster endings to games, obviously. It's nice to have uh, extra inning games not go 18 innings. And even for teams, you know, if you go 18 innings in a game, it really messes up your team for not just that night, but for several nights with – all the relievers might have to call up from the minor leagues to, to make up for all the guys you use. And so I can see why they wanted to not have these games go that long in terms of extra innings. But sometimes it's fun to have those marathon games just as a yeah. fan. So crazy that, obviously that one ruined the Angels season in 2019. Yeah, I was going to say, there's a couple where either A, it felt like it ruined the season, or B, I was up really late and had to go to work the next day, and that didn't, it didn't feel great. And then, the, yeah, the Orioles, what was it, their center fielder got the save or something. So that was, yeah. it was crazy. But at the same time, I guess the Angels probably would have preferred that not to happen. So, um, so yeah, it's one of those things where I, I'm pretty much, as a fan, I think that I'd rather have it all go back to normal. As much as a reporter, you have different views. But uh, I'd rather have real baseball and, and not have that stuff. So, obviously, you're a fan of the game, or else I don't think you'd be doing what you're doing. The DH. Now, finally, it's like the, it was like the worst-kept secret. Everyone knew that it was eventually going to come to both AL and NL. But now that it's here, and now that the NL – it's going to have a DH. Um, how do you feel about that? Um, I, you know, I, I like National League rules in the past. I, I like not having the DH. It's not like it's that much fun to see the pitcher hit. But I like more of the strategy later in the games with the pinch hitting and, and when to pull your pitcher and that kind of stuff. Um, so, But I understand why they wanted to change it. You know, it gives players more opportunities to get, you know, guys that are, uh, you know, later in their career now have more opportunities to sign with the team as a DH. Because NL teams, you know, the advantage of, of having that extra player, even when they were to play, you know, in the World Series, even with the NL teams didn't have that extra bat the way that, you know, AL teams sometimes did. So at least it kind of evens the playing field. Uh, but at the same time, it, you know, it allows teams like the Dodgers to go sign Freddie Freeman and the rich get richer, you know, because now they can just DH <laughs> next monthly. So um, for me, I enjoyed it. I watched a lot of, you know, the Dodgers growing up too. So I watched a lot of NL rules. I watched a lot of the Braves when I was younger on TBS. So I've seen a lot of NL games. So I, I like the strategy, but at the same time, I, I get it. You know, he said watching pitchers hit really rarely is is fun outside of the Bartolo Colon home run. Uh, those show hey. and show hey. but yeah, show hey is a whole different story, Am obviously. But uh, but for most pitchers that are not show hey, it's it's not a fun at bat. So it's for the best probably. But as an old school guy, I, I did like the two different. It was weird, but I like the fact there was different rules in both leagues. But I think it made sense the way they did it though. So let's go there. Let's go in that direction as far as starting pitching for the Angels. Pre-lockout, the big news, the big acquisition was Noah Syndergaard. Um, Angels, I don't know if they've talked about him necessarily in the since the lockout ended, but the guy's coming off of Tommy John surgery a couple of years ago. He pitched very limited last year with the Mets. 
Um, has there been any talk about his um, pitch count, if you will, or just his usage coming into this new season? Not really quite yet in terms of how they exactly want to use him. Um, I think we have an idea. I don't think he's going to probably be able to throw 200 innings, but I think because there is a six-man rotation, it'll help you know kind of manage his innings and, and his workload. Um, so I think they'll be cautious with him when they need to be, but I think as long as he's healthy, you know, he's gone a lot of innings in the past, uh, so he's, he's done it before. It's just right now it's kind of back to building it up. As you know, he pitched like, what, two innings last year? And yeah. So it's hard to go from two innings to 200, but, you know, I, I think he can still get into the well into the 100, you know, over 100 innings. And, and you know, before this injury, he was an ace and was, you know, one of the better pitchers in baseball. We'll see if he can, you know, continue that. Mine's Tommy John can be tough to come back from, but especially in that first year. But I think now he's far enough removed that, Hopefully for them won't be an issue, but we'll see him uh, soon here in a Cactus League game. We saw him face Shohei Otani and some of the guys today in, in, in live BP, which was cool. And, uh, yeah, and we're going to talk to the center guard actually on Friday before the game, and we'll probably get a better feel for the plan for him uh, kind of in terms of his innings and workload. But I do think the six-man rotation is one of the main, you know, reason why he signed to because it allows him to still be in the rotation most of the year but also get a little bit extra rest instead of being part of the five-man. So obviously now the six man rotation has been a thing since Otani started uh, started pitching full time for the Angels when he came came to the Angels. Someone asked me online. I didn't know exactly if this had anything to do with it. The Angels' lack of signing top free agent pitchers. Do you think that six man rotation them not be able to get up, you know, in the road and and have as many games start hurt the Angels when going after top free agents? I don't think so. Um, I don't think that's been the issue. And maybe some guys would be a little reluctant to it. But at the same time, I think if the Angels really wanted to, if some guy really wanted to get in there that was an ace type of guy, they could accommodate for him and, and have him pitch. They still have a guy pitch, you know, every five days, and kind of work around it a little bit. But um, I don't think that's been the issue. I mean, like I said, for anything, it actually probably helped getting Noah Syndergaard, which was a good thing. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, I don't think that's probably been the, the – the reason why a guy hasn't signed here. I think it's been the tiebreaker or anything like that. Uh, but it is interesting. It is a different role for a guy that's a veteran. That might be an ace type of guy. But I think if they would have signed Garrett Cole or something like that or some sort of ace, you know, a few years ago, whatever, I think they would have found ways to get him out there every five days if that's what he really wanted. Um, or they would have got Scherzer or something like that. They probably would have found a way. But I do think with this, it worked out better with Syndergaard, and, and we'll see if they add another starter. And uh, there's not really much out there right now, though, in terms of, you know, free agent starters. But We'll see what, they, what they'll do, especially now they're kind of really focusing on the bullpen. And, you know, and staying with the starters for a little bit, and we'll definitely touch on the bull, all the bullpen news that's happened, you know, in the last, like, 24 hours. Um, but we have a question here from Twitter, and it's from at Invasion of Mikes. And he wanted to know, do the Angels have enough to pull off a trade with Reds for Castillo, even though, this is me saying, even though I know they kind of said he's off the market, or Rockies, Marquez, without getting fleeced seem like the Rockies are in disarray with ownership ownership slash operations and the Reds are selling everyone. Yeah. I mean, I think they have enough to make a trade if they really want to. I mean, Castillo is an ace that I think that would be a, a big difference maker for this team, but also would, you know, cost them a lot. And like you said, the, the GM of the Reds did come out and say specifically, he wasn't going to trade Castillo or, uh, you know, I think Tyler Mayle, their other pitcher. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you never know. Maybe if you give them a big offer, they can't refuse. But it would probably, you know, to get a guy like Castillo, you'd have to give up at least Marsh and Adele or one of the two of those guys and probably a young pitching prospect or, if not more, maybe Kyron Paris, a shortstop prospect, or Jeremiah Jackson. It'd be a pretty sizable haul, though, to get a guy like Castillo. 
Marquez would be less, but he hasn't really been talked about much on the market right. recently either. So it's hard to know. I mean, what they really want to do with a trade. I mean, even obviously the A's have, you know, a couple obviously good arms and, you know, Manaya and, uh, you know, Frankie Montas out there. And they've been kind of talking to a couple teams too, like the Twins and a few others. I think the Royals are in that mix too. So to me, I feel like they're a little bit more likely to maybe try to find a veteran starter. They can give them some innings uh, as a six starter or maybe even roll with what they have and continue to focus on the bullpen here um, because they're really, I, I just don't know if they really want to give up a guy like Adele or Marsh or some of these building blocks for the future uh, for a short-term fix. And, it, and it's kind of crazy too what the Rockies are doing, kind of touching on like kind of more MLB stuff, but that Chris Bryant contract I signed yesterday – like I don't now I'm in the mind space like I don't are they selling people off or they just signed that big contract now it's like I don't know I don't know if you heard anything if they're still selling I don't think anybody knows what the Rockies are doing I think it's the best <laughs> I don't think anybody really knows what they're doing hopefully they know what they're doing but based off the record I'm not sure if that's really true either so <laughs> um, yeah you know that was a big surprise Chris Bryant um, I thought it was a lot for him but at the same time I guess the, you know a lot of people thought he was going to get a contract similar to that. And he's going to put up huge numbers there and he's going to really enjoy hitting there, which I think is one of his favorite things. And he's already won a world series title. Um, so you're right though. I don't know. It'd be a weird mixed signal to, to sign a guy to a big contract like that and then trade away one of your you know best starting pitchers. Um, but yeah, it's you know, strange for them to, you know, trade away Arenado and then let story look like he's going to walk obviously. And then to bring in Bryant, but so it's kind of interesting the way that it all worked out, but uh, yeah, you're right. I don't know that they want to sell now that they added a guy like Bryant. And not to mention they ate a lot of that Arenado contract too. So they're technically still paying them. So yeah, just <laughs> weird all the way around. And you kind of mentioned the sixth spot. And this is another question we have on Twitter. Uh, Jason Jones wants to know with canning out for the start of the season, what's the talks around camp in regards to the sixth starter? Is it going to be a veteran guy or, or is there some young guys that are going to be competing for that last spot? Yeah, I think internally it'll be, you know, Jaime Maria is still around, obviously, and you know, he's out of options, so he's got to make the club um, or be, you know, put on waivers after spring training. So uh, you got to figure that Maria is going to make the team, and it could be in relief, but now with these additions, you know, the bullpens now doesn't have as many spots as it used to. Um, so he's going to have a real chance there. Um, you know, some of the younger guys we, we've seen last year too, because I think right now we know that Sandoval and Suarez are in there with Lorenzen, you know, Tani and Syndergaard. So really, it's just that sixth spot. Um, and, uh, you know, I think we'll see, you know, Reed Detmers is going to be in that mix as well. Um, you know, they're going to look at some of the younger guys they saw last year and see what they have. But I would think it's probably between Berea and Detmers, uh, with Berea probably the favorite just because he is out of options. They can send Detmers down to AAA to kind of polish his stuff there. Um, so, but like I said, they also can go out. I know they've been linked to Tyler Anderson. I know it's not a big name, but he is a guy that can – you know, eat up innings. And last year had a pretty good year until the Angels kind of lit him up late in the season. Um, but otherwise, the ERA before that uh, was actually pretty good last year. So, you know, he wouldn't really move the needle too much, but he'd at least be a veteran guy that could fiddle in the sixth six spot there for you as Detmers continues to develop. And it kind of depends on what they think of Berea. If they think Berea is ready to start and, and be good enough to be the sixth starter, then he'll get it. But we'll, we'll kind of see how he does this spring and, and see if they want to, you know, add another starter here in the next couple of days. Yeah, you know, me, people saying that if this rotation stays healthy, it could be, you know, a serviceable one. I'm just worried about you're, you're banking on two guys at the top of the uh, rotation. One guy that, like we mentioned before, pitched three, five innings in the last two years. And another guy you're hoping to repeat a historical season that has never been done before. So is there any kind of worry 
from anyone on, in the organization that, you know, there were a lot of things have to go right for this rotation to kind of be effective. Yeah, that's kind of one of the big things you're right. I mean, with Otani, there's no worries there at all. They think Otani's going to be even better than last year somehow. That's crazy. That's crazy. But good. <laughs> yeah, but as a pitcher, if you look back here, remember like early in the year, he was walking everybody. It took him till almost, you know, June or July, probably June or so to really kind of really turn it on in the mound where he wasn't walking guys anymore. Um, the second half, you know, I think he only walked like 10 guys um, or nine guys the entire second half. So once Otani's locked in and, you know, not walking guys, um, there's no reason to believe he can't be healthy at this point. You know, he was healthy all last year, had no real issues outside of some maybe blister things here and there. But you're right, Syndergaard is a risk just because of the lack of innings, but a lot of upside there. And then you know, the young arms, the two lefties, you know, Sandoval and Suarez were, were very good last year. But at the same time, they had to prove it. They're young. They had to prove they can do it again. And there's no guarantee that they can. But usually young pitchers like that continue to develop and uh, and get better. So that's the big hope there. And, and they can build on their innings total of last year as well. And then the other wild card, too, is Lorenzen. You know, Lorenzen has the stuff to start. He's got, you know, five, six pitches, uh, throws really hard, you know, obviously in great shape. So he believes he has the durability to do that. Um, but question mark, because he's only made six starts over the last five years. So there are question marks. That's why I do think maybe adding another veteran, even if it's just more of an innings eater type, could make some sense for this team, just because you're right. There are, there are a lot of, um, you know, kind of said risks or you don't really know exactly, but if things break the right way, it's definitely a, a decent rotation and definitely good enough with, with the way the offense is right now. And with the way the bullpen is constructed, that it, it should be good enough to compete, but that's also only if it works out and if these guys stay healthy. And one, and one last thing, yeah. And then one last thing about the rotation. If I remember correctly, Sandoval was he had some kind of injury at the end of last season. He's all clear. He's one hundred percent go. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He had the back injury last uh, year, and totally fine now. He said he's been working on his back. He's got a routine now where he gets all this treatment on his back for 30 to 45 minutes every single day of the week, pretty much. It's just one of those things, a sacrifice he has to make to make sure that his back's in good shape. Um, but yeah, so he's totally healthy. He's ready to go. No restrictions. And even canning, you know, he's shut down for a couple more weeks from throwing on a mound, but you could see a, a scenario where canning's ready by, you know, sometime in May, potentially, or no, because I guess it's 60 day DL. I'm sorry. 60 day IL. He's probably more likely to be back in June, but even then, if you get, you know, half a season with him, you get some more depth. Um, if he can prove his health with canning, yeah, because canning, you know, had a great 2020 or not great, but a good 2020 and uh, just last year kind of struggled and had the back injury and all that stuff. So uh, he adds more depth too once he comes back because it's supposed to be, you know, a few weeks here that he'll have to kind of shut it down and then he'll get it back up. And so it could be back sometime, uh, you know, before the all-star break for sure. And so that's pretty much the starting pitchers and, and that's always kind of the main concerned about the angels for seems like forever now but an issue that the angels had last year obviously was the bullpen everything kind of leading up to Russell Russell had a great season last year had a really a dynamite uh, uh, first year with the angels multi-inning save so that was a huge thing to get him re-signed before the lockout um, how how driven were the angels to to get that done before the lockout started I think it was both sides and they want to get it done, but he did too, clearly. Uh, some guys wanted to wait it out and see what happened, but he wanted to come back to the Angels the whole time. We talked to him this morning. He said once the you know, free agency hit, he said about 20 teams checked in on him just to kind of see what he was interested in. Uh, by the time the Angels started talking to him, he said about eight or nine teams were kind of lurking around to kind of 
get a feel for what he wanted or if he'd be willing to go somewhere else or take different deals. But uh, he wanted to go to the Angels the whole time and he wanted a four-year deal and the Angels were were willing to go that far and, and, and give him a very sizable contract for a closer. <laughs> but he's, you know, definitely one of the best closers in the game. Like you said, last year, what, he had like 103 strikeouts and like 12 walks. I mean, it was pretty yeah. amazing what he did. And, and like you said, he is a multi-inning guy, but it sounded like from today, Joe Madden said they're probably going to use him only in one inning stints because they feel like the bullpen's better. <clears throat> and they'd only use him really in, in that kind of role maybe in September or if they make the postseason. So, but in general, that's a huge thing. You know, last year, I don't think the Angels lost a single game where they were up after the right. eighth inning. They were undefeated after the eighth inning. So once they were, when they were, when they were winning. So that's a big deal for the team, for the confidence of the team. And just in general, to have that kind of guy at the back end of your bullpen that you know that you're, if you know, if you hand a lead to him, you're, you've got a really good chance to win. So, um, huge move for them. And, you know, that was, they really had it. They didn't really have an obvious internal candidate to be uh, the closer. So that was a huge priority, probably their top one. And, and sure enough, they got it done. So also around that time, they also signed Aaron Loop, a left-hander that was with, I believe, the Mets last year. He brings in the idea of the eighth inning, you know, kind of a bridge guy right at that point. So he's there. And then today you have two big signings for the Angels after what seems like very minimal uh, movement post-lockout. Uh, and that's with Archie Bradley and Ryan uh, Tapera both signing today with the Angels or at, or at least – uh, agree to terms. I don't know if they're officially signed, but they agree to terms today. Um, was this ever hinted at when you're talking to Perry as far as we're going to rebuild the staff through the bullpen? A little bit. I mean, I think they wanted to get whatever they could to, to really <clears throat> augment the pitching staff. And I, I think more Joe Madden really wanted relief help. Like he was pretty adamant about that talking to us. He really wanted a couple of relievers uh, to be added to that mix. Uh, just to deepen the bullpen and, and make it a shorter game. You know, if this team doesn't have, like we said, if they have some question marks in their rotation, now they don't have to go as deep into games. Uh, it, it really just helps to have this lockdown pen uh, because Tapera is coming off a great year. He's been a really good reliever throughout his career. Archie Bradley, pretty much the same thing, you know, struggled as a starter early, but ever since he's been in relief, uh, he's been a really good reliever. Um, so to add those two, that's huge. And they said loop. You know, it might have been the best reliever. I think he was the best by ERA last year. His ERA was below one, which is pretty amazing. You never see that in a full season uh, with the Mets. So hard for him to repeat that. But even if he's got a, you know, his ERA is still going to be pretty strong because he's a really good pitcher. So to have those three guys uh, and then add him to the mix, you know, with, with Iglesias coming back. Uh, and then you got Mike Myers, who's already here. Uh, Austin Warren had a great rookie year last year. So he's going to be part of that mix for sure. Um, Andrew Wance, they like a lot too. And even Jose Cajada, a lefty that had a great finish to, to last year as well. So, um, and then on top of that, we've got a lot of non-roster guys in camp and other young guys, you know, gunning for spots. So the, the bullpen depth is probably the best it's been. And as you tell me, it was way better than any of the bullpen depth we've had since I've been around. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, definitely. It seems like a strength of the team for the first time. And yeah, like God knows when, but um, and I, and I like the fact though, too, like you mentioned some of those guys, Warren wants, like those are the younger guys. You don't, you're not going to have to be forced to kind of throw them into high leverage situations yeah. off the bat. You can kind of let them get the sixth, seventh inning and let them develop that way. And then, you know, um, uh, Warren seemed to be able to handle it last year, but you, you don't have to rush it into. It. I think that helps out a lot. Oh, totally. Exactly. Yeah, Warren was amazing. And he said, and they liked the potential of Wance and they've got a lot of other young guys they like too. So, um, it's definitely a good thing. You're right. They kind of don't have to throw them right into the fire. 
Um, but that's, you know, that's pretty big. They spent a lot on their bullpen in a sense to, to get four of those guys, you know, Iglesias got four years and Luke got what two plus an option to got two. Bradley only got the one, but you know, you don't see teams, you know, add four relievers in an off season. It's, it's really rare, especially guys of that caliber that are all coming off a really good years. They're not really guys that are bounce back candidates or right. not really the risk. They're not really like the, they're talking about the starting pitchers were more of a risk or you don't really know what you're going to get. Relievers, sometimes you never know because it is not as many innings, but these guys have been so consistently good that, you know, it'd be a shock if one of these, you know, if these guys aren't any good. So, um, you know, it's like when they brought in guys in the past, sometimes it was more they had to prove that they still had it or, you know, this time I feel like they brought in legitimate bullpen guys that should make this a lot deeper of a bullpen and, and should really help this uh, team. And I don't know if you saw this, but uh, Taylor Blake Ward tweeted this out earlier today. The Angels have spent uh, 92, uh, 92.8. Seven five million on bullpen upgrades this winter. That's an uh, AAV of thirty three uh, point uh, seventy five million. So yeah, definitely so the thing. I mean, most teams don't. You know, maybe they make one big splash or maybe two in the bullpen or you know, most I've ever seen. I think the Rockies winter tried to get three guys, but it didn't work out because same thing that the Rockies and the guys they went after weren't as good as these guys. So um, I feel like there's, there's not as much risk because these guys are all pretty good. Um, and it really does add to the, the arms they already have in relief. And I said even Berea might be in relief too if he doesn't make the rotation. So they've got options. They got the, so the most depth I've seen in a while, bullpen wise, starting pitching wise, still you know not as great a depth. And clearly shortstop still a big need. But um, otherwise, I feel like Perry's done a pretty good job of filling in some of the the roster here. Let me talk about our next sponsor, ColorCast. ColorCast is a live, audio-only sports talk platform, free to download and free to use. Talk to fans, athletes, and interact in real time, perfect for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and reacting to breaking news. Share your own experiences on the app. All you need to do is download the ColorCast app free in the iOS app store. Create a profile and link your Twitter. That's all. Come with your spectacular takes. Let me talk about Athletic Greens real quick. I take Athletic Greens. It is something that I take every morning. And guess what? It's easy to drink, which for me, that's number one. It's not like all your other vitamin powders that have that real earthy taste to it. This is very easy to drink, which makes it easy for me to take every day. All it takes is a single scoop in water every day, cold water. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a full year supply for free with your first purchase. That's immune supporting vitamin D and five travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash sports drink. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash sports drink to take your ownership of your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutrition insurance. So we have another question here, and this is about a position player in general or a certain position player. And this is from Big League Chewing at Chewing Cast. He's all, what is Taylor Ward's role on this team? Does he make the team as a fourth outfielder? Taylor Blake Ward or Taylor Ward? Taylor Ward. <laughs> yeah, right. That, that's, a, that's a signing that uh, Rhett's breaking right now. Right, yeah. No, Taylor Ward, I mean, it's a good question. It really is. I mean, kind of the forgotten man. Um, you know, he actually played pretty well when he was healthy, I thought. I was starting to hit a lot better. He's athletic out there in the outfield. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he's definitely in that mix. It's just a matter of what they want to do with Adele and Marsh and obviously Upton. Because um, I can still see a scenario where Adele and Marsh both make the team. 
and kind of split time with Upton in the corner outfield with Trout and obviously in center, especially with maybe let, you know, Upton kind of platoon with, with Marsh a little bit too, being right. lefty righty a little and, and kind of base it off of matchups. Um, but Ward does give him some depth out there for sure, which is a, a good thing. I mean, if they want to keep Adele down or even Marsh, I don't, I think Marsh has a better chance than Adele to make the team. But, uh, but I think that if they want to put one of those guys down in the minor leagues, at least they'd have Ward as kind of an extra outfielder. Um, but the more of the question is what they want to do with Upton and how much he's going to play. Um, he's coming off you know, a couple of years here offensively, just hasn't really been the same. And then really we know that defensively he's pretty limited out there in left field. He, he showed some flashes last year, that time when he was a leadoff hitter. Uh, it really worked out somehow, and it was, he was great for that little stretch there before he got hurt again. Um, I know he's really liked in that clubhouse, but he's got to prove it now on the field in the last year of his deal here um, and prove that he can, you know, contribute to this team. So it's a big year for Upton, and obviously so the young guys got to prove it too. But uh, they do have some depth out there, but a, a lot of guys have to prove that they're, they're, willing to, or they're worthy of being out there with Trout. What do you think is more likely to happen with Upton? And a lot of people, I'm sure you get it all the time, um, you know, him being kind of packaged in a deal some way where he's traded or he they give him like kind of like the Albert treatment last year where, okay, we'll give you, you know, the first quarter of the season to kind of <clears throat> show us that you can contribute at a you know certain standard or we're just going to kind of DFA you. I mean, hopefully it doesn't come to that point. But, yeah, I mean, I think that it would be more likely to be a DFA because he has a full no trade clause. So unless okay. you really want to go somewhere else and, you know, it's just hard to trade him, truthfully, just because of the trade clause. So I think he's going to get his opportunity. And, you know, worst case scenario, if it all goes bad, he just is, you know, not as terrible. They'd have to move on like they did with Albert. But obviously they don't, they don't want to do that, and they're hoping it doesn't happen. Uh, but like I said, he does have to prove that he still can contribute to this team. Um, and we'll see. We haven't really, you know, we've seen him do some of the workouts. We haven't seen him playing in the Cactus League games yet, but he looks to be in great shape again and says he's healthy. So, you know, we'll kind of see where it goes. So our, our last question we got from Twitter is from Lem Reyes. And the question is, any bold predictions for the short, for the short spring? Can you see any minor leaguers possibly opening the eyes of management? I'm, I'm banking on Stefanik being a uh, serviceable regular this year. And then that kind of obviously kind of goes into that middle infield spot where, you know, there's questions around second and shortstop right now. Yeah, you know, I like Stefanik a lot. I mean, he had a great year last year. Uh, offensively, you can really, really hit. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it was more about the defense. I think he would have been up last year, too, if it weren't for the defense. Uh, but I talked to him, you know, in minor league camp, and he was telling me that, you know, he was with an Achilles injury last year. That really kind of, you know, hurt his mobility. Um, so I think it kind of hurt his his defense. He couldn't really get around as well and have didn't have uh, as good a range as he usually would have. Um, and, you know, to, to his credit, too, he took it to heart when they told him he wasn't good defensively. And he ended up, you know, lives in Arizona and ended up going to the minor league facility. He said pretty much every single day of the offseason outside of Christmas, uh, taking ground balls, a lot, lot of shortstop, but some at second base, too, and all that. But just taking a lot of ground balls every day and just filling his position to really work on it um, and, and get it where it needs to be. Like you said, the offense is usually going to be – is always going to be there. I mean, it's been there for him his entire career in the minor leagues. So I don't think he's going to make the team, but he's a guy that could be like Jose Rojas – that comes up in Ross. I think did make the team, but a guy like that, that's kind of under the radar, but maybe hits his way up into the lineup. Um, you know, he could settle into second base eventually, maybe if he hits his way on there and Fletcher could go to shortstop. Um, you know, they brought in Matt Duffy now too, though. So they do have right. a lot of options with Duffy and 
Velasquez, Tyler Wade, Luis Renjifo, Jack Mayfield, the list goes on. Although you might see maybe one of these guys, like maybe Mayfield, you never know, could get DFA'd with the new, uh, you know, ditches of the bullpen. They still got to make the 40-man roster moves for that. So so we'll see. They do have some depth there, but they don't have, like, uh, you know, this elite guy that's a, a shortstop that's an everyday guy. Um, so they kind of have to mix and match. And you can get by with that with the rest of the offense, I think. Um, but it's not going to be, you know, a, a superstar shortstop. But I could see a scenario where they use some of these guys – and then put Fletcher at shortstop, and then have these guys play second. And also, you know, Brendan Davis is another guy out of the forty-man roster. They they liked a lot about a big year um, in the minor leagues as well, and he could he could definitely be in that mix as too. So there are options. It's just not really anything too exciting in terms of a, a starting shortstop yeah. among them. But you know, I'm saying if you mix and match, we saw with what the Giants last year was more in their outfield. But if you can platoon guys and get them in the right spots, you, you can make it work. How much, and I think this rule isn't going to take effect until next year, but how much do you feel teams are going to emphasize defensive infielders because of the lack of the shifting rules or, or cutting down on the shifting, uh, I believe, is going to be next year? Yeah, I guess we'll kind of see. I think it's going to be next year, like you said. We'll find out what you know teams really think and how they value that. And I don't know exactly what the rule is yet. I don't know if it's supposed to be – four guys on the dirt or like you can't be positioned this way. I don't honestly, I don't really know exactly how it'll look, but you are right where, yeah. Cause before with, sh- with shifting, you could hide guys a little easier. Like a Tommy Lestella who's a good hitter, but not a very good fielder. You could kind of hide him by shifting different ways or putting him where the ball might not go. <laughs> uh, now it's a little tougher to do that, but you can still be creative. And I guess people have talked about maybe having, you know, switching a shortstop or second baseman based on, you know, the handedness of the batter, but that also might just be too much work for these guys to get <laughs> practicing on and that kind of stuff. Well, and I even saw some guy on Twitter said that they should do a thing where it's like the CFL, where if there's that many guys in the dirt, one of the guys, as soon as the pitch is thrown, will be running, running away, <laughs> running to the outfield to his position to be like a CFL receiver running uh, in motion during the pitch. That would be dumb as heck and wouldn't be baseball, <laughs> but um, we'll see what happens. <laughs> you know, we'll see that first in the minor leagues, I'm sure. And then we'll, we'll it'll work its way up if it, if it, uh, if it, if it, if it holds on there for sure. Um, so position battles, obviously the first uh, game is tomorrow on the 18th. We're recording this on the 17th. What is a certain position battle that you are interested in seeing how, how it plays out. Is it backup catcher? Is it, you know, that, that infield position we're talking about, or even, you know, who gets that sixth spot in the rotation? I do think the middle infield thing is interesting because I said, just because the fact that Fletcher could move to shortstop, because most of the guys that, you know, other than Velasquez is a good shortstop too. Just Velasquez hasn't really hit much. Um, Wade also, you know, is more of a, you know, specialist and a really great base dealer too. So Wade's great because you can bring him in late in games uh, and, and having pinch run, he's one of the better pinch runners in baseball. Um, and Velasquez is a plus defender at shortstop, so that helps too. But neither of them really offer too much offense. Um, and Renjifo is a big wild card because we saw him, you know, play better late last year, and he was always, you know, pretty highly regarded in the minor leagues. Um, so if he can put it together, that'd be huge for this team. Um, and I said, yeah, bring in veteran depth, and you know, bringing in Duffy. So curious to see how that plays out. You know, only a few weeks here to find that out. And then even that six starter spot. You know, can Detmers really uh, win that job with a strong spring? Is he ready? Um, he was just named the, you know, by MLB.com, the top left-handed pitching prospect in baseball, which is pretty impressive. Um, so he got his taste of the majors last year, which I think was was, was good. 
to at least get a taste of it, even if it didn't go great in terms of ERA. Um, or like I said, Berea is kind of the same thing. It's always been a little underrated and kind of been, you know, Spanish had it tough where he kind of been up and down so many times throughout his career. Um, I think maybe if he gets locked into that role, maybe he'd, he'd run away with it. But um, we'll kind of see here uh, what happens with those guys and, and, and see what, you know, if I said maybe they even do add a starter here uh, in the next couple days. Hopefully, you know, don't have too much time here. And I'm curious to see what happens with, you know, some of the big free agents out there too. Even at shortstop with Correa and Story. Story. I'd be surprised if the Angels made that kind of splash, but maybe if Story's price tag or something comes down and he wants a short-term deal to reset the market. Um, you know, even Correa, they talked about the fact that he changed his agency so that if Correa signs a long-term deal, his old agency gets a commission. Yeah. But if he mm-hmm. deal, then his old agency will get that. And then his next deal, Scott Boris will get the, you know, the, uh, the thing. And don't forget who Chris Bryant's agent was. It was. You know, <laughs> How do you get that yeah. Who's his agent? Scott, Scott Boris, exactly. Entire Scott, you know what I mean? Yeah, and that's and, and that seems how it how it goes, and that's what you want. So he's he's uh, he's the best at his job, uh, probably whoever did it. So yeah. So um, one thing that changes for you in particular for the first time in well, two years now, because of twenty twenty one and uh, twenty two, is you're going to be able to be in the locker room now, correct? Oh yeah, I've already been in it. Yeah, it's been really awesome. We've been so, in it. for us fans, and I, you know, because talking talking to you on here and stuff like that, I kind of understand the importance of you being able to access players like that compared to just flipping open a computer and having a post game Zoom. But for the fans that maybe don't understand the importance of it, can you kind of explain the difference between you know last year when you couldn't, and then kind of how it's always been you being able to get into the locker room and talk to these some of these guys like one on one. Yeah, I mean, so I'll give you an example right here, too. So the other day, um, Griffin Canning was in the clubhouse, and, and Chef Fletcher from the other ran over and grabbed him real quick, just one-on-one, just to kind of catch up and see how he was doing and see how he was with the back injury. So last, so going back further, last week, you know, we asked the you know, front office and then Joe, hey, anybody injured we should know about, anything like that. And no, 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 we didn't, we didn't hear about any injuries whatsoever. And sure enough, you know, Fletch goes in there and asks Canning, and Kenning tells him straight up, oh, yeah, I had a setback and I'm out for, you know, at least a month, whatever it's going to be. And so then obviously we all went over after and I talked to Kenning myself as well and found out more about it and the injury. But it's one of those things where, you know, the team wouldn't have said anything unless right. we kind of had to find ourselves. Um, so that's one of the things, we could, even for the fans, you know, they'll, they'll find out more now just because we'll be in there all the time asking the questions of certain players about what's, you know, what's really going on and, so you just get a better pulse of what the team's really like, you know, and, and even just the clubhouse, you can get a feel for the vibe of the team, whether or not they really are, you know, a, a strong clubhouse. The, the chemistry, you can really, you know, get a real sense for just being in there. And like I said, you just find stuff like that, whether a guy was injured or not, um, it really helps. And it just adds more to the stories. You can get players talking about other players on their team or around the league and just, just so much more stuff you can find out about just by talking to guys because, um, you know, we're in there from – I think out here we're out in there from eight till nine thirty. So we're in there for a good hour and a half. So there's a lot of time to you know, talk to these guys and, and find out more info. And it, it's great. You know, it's really, really nice. And during the season, it'll be the same thing. It won't be that long of a, of a time, but you know, we usually get in there around three 30 to about four fifteen, And then they go out and do their workouts on the field and all that. And then we're back in there after the games. So yeah, it's just a big change that the zooms, you know, you're always in groups. And also with this, now we can get guys one-on-one more and you build relationships. You get to know these guys, you know, because you're in there so much, so you kind of get to know their interests off the field too. And 
So, you know, even today I was talking with David Fletcher a lot about the NCAA tournament. He's a big college Mine's basketball busted. He told My me that, completely busted. Oh, yeah, I Iowa to win it all. I said, oh, Iowa's going to win it all. I'm telling you, man, the two brothers in that team are the best team ever. <laughs> so I shouldn't have listened to him. Maybe I, maybe the clubhouse isn't a good thing after all, because then I picked Iowa after he said that. I had him going to the eight, to the lead eight, and then I saw that today. I'm like, well, there goes that. So, yeah. So, no, it's great, though. It's, it's just It really changes everything. I know that the fans don't get a real feel for it, but they'll, they'll see the difference, I think, in terms of the coverage. Just, we'll, just, we'll just have a lot – we'll just know a lot more about what's really going on, and, and it'll just be a lot better because the Zoom era, it, it was fine when, with what it was, but it just wasn't really the same at all. You didn't really get a feel for what was really going on in that clubhouse and what's really going on with that team. Yeah, and that's kind of something like I saw on Twitter and stuff like that. I'm sure you saw it, but it's like during the Zoom era, you know, I like how you call it the Zoom era. It's going to go down in history as the Zoom era in journalism. Um, but, you know, some fans are like, oh, you know, the Angels will come out with just so-and-so's on the IL. And it's like fans are like, well, wow, what? that seems so random. It's like, well, that's like you mentioned, that's one of the things you don't get, you know access to during all this and people are like well why aren't you reporting it and it's like well because they're very limited on what they can do so it's great to hear that your guys are going to be in the locker room you know figuring this stuff out or you know having better coverage than you have in the last couple of years because of the you know uh, COVID and all that stuff so uh, that's awesome to hear and that's going to be obviously a great uh, tool for you and so again if you don't follow Red, make sure you follow Red on Twitter at Red Bollinger you can find all the stuff on angels.com on the app, all that stuff. So um, do what I do, put, um, put it on, put it on alerts. So him, you know, Jeff, uh, Jeff Fletcher from the OC register, Sam Blum at the athletic, all do great jobs. Make sure you follow those guys on Twitter to get your uh, information. And like you said, more and more information is going to be coming out this year. Now that you guys have access to the locker room and to the players one-on-one. So that's, 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 that's great. I'm, I'm real, I'm real glad to hear that. And if you need an assistant, you have my number. I can tag along and just be like, Oh, here, hold this. So like, yep. Yes, sir. And well, just, you know, now, you know, a lot of those guys like Marsh and those guys are up in the big leagues now. So yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, Hey, I know that guy. Um, <laughs> so obviously red i want to thank you for for jumping on you know kind of getting the spring training started and for so many fans like i mentioned before we didn't even know if this was going to happen at this point of the, of the year you know everyone's thinking you know april spring training with a may start and i was i honestly was one of those guys so great to have you on i can't wait to have you on again hopefully right before the season and we're you know all these questions will be uh answered or have a better better version what's that fun a few weeks here so yeah, exactly. Are, we'll know in a few weeks. Here. It'll be fun. Exactly. So one last question I want to get you out on. And if you don't know Rhett, he is a proud alum of USC. USC has been in the news football-wise this whole uh, uh, football or uh, baseball offseason. So I'm going to ask you, I'm going to hold your feet to the fire a little bit. Happier news when you heard the lockout ended or SC hired Lincoln Riley? Oh man! <laughs> uh, <laughs> honestly, probably Riley. I mean, you guys see since I was a little kid. My dad and grandpa were there. Uh, it's my favorite sporting team. Is definitely USC football. So, uh, yeah, I was that was a huge day, and then hired him, and everything ever since then has changed. But no, I mean, the lockout really was. I was I was depressed as heck when they, you know, especially when they canceled that second week of the season. I was thinking, oh my gosh, is this really not going to get a deal? And then fortunately the next morning when I woke up and I saw they agreed on the international draft, I thought, oh, thank gosh, they're actually making progress. 
Right. Um, so I was relieved. I did not want to have a shortened season and all that kind of stuff again, especially after 2020. So, no, I mean, both of them are great, great days to, to find out. As you know, I love baseball, too, so I miss my livelihood. So. But at the same time, I'm a USC Super fan, so fight on and uh, come on, let's start being back to the real USC. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess part of it, too, is that everyone knew eventually this deal was going to happen. The, the the lockout was going to end at some point. Yeah. Obviously, we had no idea when, but that actually, was, actually to make a hire like that, you know, you no one saw it coming. So not I understand that. No, no inkling whatsoever. So, yeah, that was a big surprise. That was, that was exciting. <laughs> That's awesome. All right, Red, thank you again. Uh, Red's out at spring training. So if you're out there, uh, say hi to him. You know, if you see him around Scottsdale after after hours, uh, buy him a beer. Right, yeah, I'm friendly, guy. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right, Red, thanks again. I really appreciate it. Hey, no problem. Anytime. And I want to thank Red Bollinger once again for jumping on. And obviously he has been jumping on for, you know, quite some years now, which is pretty cool to, to see that and um, talk to a guy that's been around the team and all that stuff. So very a lot of interesting stuff I think we heard in that interview. Um, number one, obviously, something that stands out to me is the fact that now as fans, we'll have more information coming out to us, um, whether it's, you know, him tweeting stuff out, him putting it in his stories or, or, or articles or whatever. So, but the fact of the matter is that the, they are now having a lot more access with the players and a lot more communication with the players that um, will help us fans understand what the heck's going on more and more inside that locker room and with certain players. So that's a huge thing. Um, we mentioned, you know, obviously the angels have beefed up this um, uh, bullpen and, I, for one, am glad that they have uh, addressed a need. I think they had a couple of needs coming into this offseason. Obviously, starting pitching, bullpen, and, and kind of the shortstop position were all um, up, in, up in the air, question marks. And for what they did with the bullpen, I think makes up for a lot of what they haven't done in other positions. You know, um, Noah Syndergaard, and we talked about him and how that's going to work for the rest for this year. That's still kind of up in the air. We're not hundred percent sure about that, but at least um, there's one less question mark in the air. And that's the bullpen. One of these young guys takes the bull by the reins and gets that shortstop position or even gets the second base position. And now you're able to put Fletcher at shortstop will solve another uh, question mark. And that's something that is, uh, going to be fun to watch as the spring training kind of continues or just starts actually and continues to go through the rest of this month and like i mentioned i'm sure we'll have red on again right before the season starts where a lot of these question marks are going to be answered and we'll know who's going to be second base we'll know who's going to be shortstop we'll know um what upton's role is going to be with this team going forward so that's something very exciting to look out for but um again follow red bollinger at red bollinger on twitter again you can get all his stuff at angels.com so this is gonna wrap up for this edition of the all angels podcast obviously i am back uh it's probably going to be weekly right now until the season and then we'll probably end up going to two per week like we did last season once the season starts but um We'll be back next week. I'll be back next week. There'll be games to talk about. We'll actually be able to say so-and-so looked good, so-and-so didn't look good. We'll actually be able to talk about baseball. And that, for me, is is really exciting. And finally, something 
to actually talk about, you know, besides the oh, what happens if this or, you know, what do you think this is going to happen? It's like, no, we have stuff now that, that has happened and we can talk about that. And it's no more guessing. This is the facts. This is what happened. So that's going to be fun to talk about. That's what I'm excited to talk about. So obviously, if you haven't already, follow us at Halo underscore Haven on Twitter and on Instagram. Uh, follow us there. We'll be posting episode um topics and obviously getting your guys's opinion on the episodes asking questions for episodes on there and at any point anytime you can slide into our dms again that's halo underscore haven on twitter and on instagram and you can email us at any time at all angels podcast at gmail.com so plenty of ways to get a hold of us plenty of ways to let your opinions be heard um you know, something that we might do down the road closer to the season is, is hopefully get a couple of people on and we can kind of talk about what their hopes are and what they hope to, to happen this upcoming season with the Angels. So a lot of stuff happening, a lot of stuff moving. Uh, glad, glad, glad that this is all moving forward and it cannot wait till opening day at Angel Stadium. So again, it's kind of the countdown till then. Um like I mentioned before, hey, if you see Rhett around in Scottsdale, buy him around. Tell him, you, tell him I said, uh, tell him I told you to come up and, to him and say hi. Um, but yeah, I appreciate it for this. You know, I'm back um, again. Help us spread the word going into the season. If you can share the post, share the podcast, uh, tell two friends, anything like that will definitely help. So I am Daniel Garcia, and this has been another edition of the All Angels Podcast. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. (laughs) I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And 
Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash match. Just go to indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. 